with that, then I'd just like to uh, introduce, uh, again, the talk uh, for today. Dr. Alok Pandey uh, will be speaking on the glory of the Divine Mother in Savitri. And uh, Savitri is the story, as you know, of the Divine Mother in one of her incarnations. Sri Aurobindo reveals that through this story, the ways and workings of the Divine Mother, the Shakti, or the supreme creative intelligence and power, even before the first stir of creation. And it takes us through all the steps and rhythms of her stupendous dance that weaves creation to the great and luminous future, the new rhythm that she prepares for Earth and humanity. Dr. Pandey says that this talk today is an invitation to her mystery, or shall we say, the mystery of mysteries. And so with that, uh, uh, Dr. Pandey, I'd like to turn it over to you. Namaste. So as we know the story of Savitri, or Savitri is about the story of the Divine Mother, in one of her previous incarnations, when as Savitri, she along with Satyavan hewed the ways of immortality. But the story doesn't end there. The story is a beginning whose close or the final uh, thread it runs through the entire journey of evolution. Each step of evolution, this vast material world, the world teeming with life and the world of mind are steps of the divine Shakti, recovering herself from the inconscient in which she has plunged. Shobindo calls it as the holocaust of the divine mother. He speaks of it in the mother and he speaks of it in Savitri. In the Vedantic view, we have the Purushyakya, where the Purusha has sacrificed himself. But who impelled the Purush to sacrifice and what is that force that went into creation? So he says that it is much more the sacrifice of the Divine Mother. So all creation is essentially concealing her mystery in the night, as we see in that famous adoration of the Divine Mother her mystery and as creation evolves it brings out something or the other of her through her both into existence and we see these different evolving forms and finally with man with human beings the mystery takes yet another beautiful turn or a or a radical turn because up till the mind and its advent we see the steps of the Shaktis working in a whole uh, larger context. Each species or each form, it has its own type. But with human beings, the Shakti has this possibility of awakening within each individual and reconnecting with its source. So if you look at it from the total, total point of view, how does creation begin? It begins with a stir in that of which nothing can be said. Nothing can be said because uh, there is no language, there is no space, there is no time, there is neither light nor darkness. It cannot be defined by any positive affirmation and equally it, it cannot be defined by any positive affirmation. At the same time, even if we deny everything, yet it will continue to remain a mystery. So not this, not this. Uh, this too, this too. So all these are ways and means of uh, trying to have some glimpse of that which is beyond everything that we can conceive. 
and then the creation starts with a stir in that now what is that stir we see in the vedas sometimes it is spoken of as desire but obviously desire as we understand is a misnomer but yes there is a desire to be many if we want to put it like that but from where does that stir to become many come what is that stir that impulsion which takes upon seizes upon uh, takes hold of that which is beyond everything is the first stir of the divine shakti or the divine mother who is there within the heart of that mystery and as she stirs that which is both non being and being and beyond non being and being that mystery puts on a name and a form it becomes a being the being of sachidanand she is the one who brings him out of his loneliness if we may say so and not only brings him out of loneliness she impels him to become many so this is how the story of creation starts and then of course we have the gods so come in the creation plunges into the utter inconscient she starts creating and as she creates 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 she enters into the most uh, darkest den- densest space where she hides herself so this we know this is a story which i think uh, we know it from several angles in the rigveda this story is mentioned as the bride of brahman who moves away from brahman into the darkness and then the recovery process starts now in that recovery process also she is involved because when we say that she has gone away it doesn't mean she has become absent she is now at once at the two poles of creation on one side she is at the supreme because she is infinite she is not a limited quantity that she has entered and that is gone so but the brahman the brahman seeks to bring her back and that's where we see that the gods are created this soul is created to participate in this great adventure and then the recovery begins so this is the basic story and in this story this process of recovery has entered into a penultimate phase this penultimate phase is where the recovery can be complete so meaning that by the creation will once again unite with its source this union with the source is not annihilation because if it were to be annihilation then it makes no sense it becomes an absurdity why the whole drama but this union with the source or creation joining with the creator is to have greater and greater the ultimate manifestation of the creator in material forms so this is the whole drama which is going on in earth and it starts with that first stir of creation in that vast inane where sense fails there is no meaning there is nothing to grope there is neither night nor day so shobindo describes in the very beginning of sabitri as a fathomless zero now of course this is uh, uh, not just shobindo uses that image very beautifully because it's the image of that day when satyavan must die but also because all these images that we experience in the material universe even in a psychological world we have days and nights are images of the a fundamental truth which is rooted at the uh, core of everything so it's the image also of a pralaya which has taken place and the creation is reemerging from that state of pralaya or drowse so why there is no starting point or pralaya as an end point so because it's a recurrent cycle it's not that creation starts at a point of time and then ends at a point of time it's 
because creation and the, and the creator are interconnected with each other so there is no point at which we can say that it ceases it enters into its eternal manifestation it enters into seed state all that is true what we call as pralaya is only that but it never ceases to be so we see that it starts with this seed that is cast into the inconscient and the recovery process begins and in that process the first stir comes with the awakening which is what we see as the symbol dawn all the vedic rishis the first goddess the feminine energy they invoked was usha just as for the night they invoked agni even now we see this so agni is the aspiration she becomes agni in the night the human heart this agni calls or waits for the usha to come down and then as it comes usha comes she starts mediating between that which is beyond hidden in the firmaments and this earth so this we have the beautiful description i am touching upon this mainly from uh, savitri the book point of view and there is nothing more complete than this because it starts with creation in one of its cycles and we have the very first passage it was the hour before the gods awake this is exactly what we see even in the uh, rigveda 10th mandala that you know the gods don't know why because they have not yet woken up the powers of manifestation of the one they have also not emerged across the path of the divine event which evidently is creation it is yet to begin again the divine event is also the day satyavan's death is a divine event but here the creation which is yet to start manifesting the huge foreboding mind of night alone in our unlit temple of eternity so we have this night and this night is there is a double night we all know one is the night of the inconscient in which creation has lapsed from which it will emerge and there is the night of god the mahashivratri as this call it so this is the night where all conceptions everything fail there is nothing which we can hold on to which can be called as the uh, the light with which we govern our life because crossing this night we have to enter into the abode of shadowless deathless light so well this is the night which is being described creation which has lapsed into the inconscient and from there it has to emerge a few lines below the abyss of the unbodied infinite it must take shapes and forms for that the divine mother who builds forms and names as an abode of the one because always she carries in her heart the one from where she has come so we have this beautiful description a fathomless zero occupied the world a power of fallen boundless self awake between the first and the last nothingness recalling the tenebrous womb from which it came turned from the insoluble mystery of birth birth is the becoming uh, it's a kind of limitation of the infinite uh, in <laughs> in finite shapes and forms it is a kind of turning the eternal into rhythms which will become the flow and flux of time and the tardy process of mortality and long to reach its end in vacant not so this is how the stir starts the stir is described on the next page as if a childlike finger laid on a cheek reminded of the endless need in things 
This is the original need actually. <laughs> this is very interesting. Shubhendu uses the word need. What is our original need? But to join the two which are parted. So creation which has plunged into inconscience has this deep need. This need will carry throughout. All of us mistranslate this need into hunger. But hunger is death. It swallows. The infinite, the inconscient keeps swallowing and it is always hungry. Why? Because ultimately it is only the divine love which can fulfill this need and fill the abyss that we call the universe. At one place in Savitri, Shubhendu says, the abyss that we call the universe. Why? Because it has emerged from the inconscient. So if we go dig deep below, there is the abyss. So this is the need. What is this need? Wow, this is beautiful. Uh, reminded of the endless need in things. It's an endless need. The heedless mother of the universe, its material inconscient, from which the universe will emerge, heedless, an infant longing clusts the somber vast. So there is this birth of that initial stir in that inconscient, like a need. See, this is how this need changes into longing, longing creates sense of suffering because we are always wanting that. Then it changes into conscious aspiration and then as a result of it, something happens and that something is described next. An infant longing clusts the somber vast. Insensibly somewhere a breach began because this need invites the uh, grace. See the call and the grace. It immediately creates the sense of an opening. And what happens next? A long, lone line of hesitating you. Should we start or should we not start? That's the to be or not to be. This is the original to be or not to be is the paradox uh, which is there. But it is compelled to start like a vague smile tempting a desert heart. Trouble the far rim of life's obscure sleep. So we have these again these two sleeps. One is the sushupti which is the beyond and the other is the sleep of the inconscient, which nothing, it mirrors and reflects that. But there is something which troubles it. The need calls the grace. She enters. We have the prayer of the mother so beautiful in prayers and meditations. She says that she plunges into the horror of the inconscient, darkness, falsehood. And in a response, she hears the voice of the Supreme. He says, I come. So she comes, arrived from the other side. <laughs> Arrived from the other side of boundlessness, an eye of deity peers through the dumb deeps, a scout in a reconnaissance from the sun. It seemed amid a heavy cosmic rest, the torpor of a sick and weary world. So it begins to wake up. That process is very beautifully described. The Divine Mother's advent at every level it works again because. If we go into that detail, we won't have time enough. A form from far beatitude seemed to near. This is how the Divine Mother comes to us symbolically every day in Ushakal. So that's why in India it was a custom that wake up and see the morning sun. And there were others who used to even wake up a little before dawn. So that was called Brahma Muhurt. So it's like you're patiently waiting for the dawn to emerge. Now, of course, dawn has changed its sense. <laughs> Probably there is too much light before we wake up. But this was the whole sense. You wait, you are recreating an event which has taken place in far back times and yet takes place uh, in a sense in every way, on every day basis. So, a form from far beatitude seemed to near. 
ambassadoress twixt eternity and change. So who is the Divine Mother? She is the link between that which is eternal and that which is temporal. She is the link between the infinite and the finite. And that is why she has the key to changing anything. If we want only moksha or go beyond finite, then too it is the Divine Mother as Vidyamai who will give the passage. But then we see in Moksha Dai Dhara, all the ways towards ultimate dissolution from birth and death, at the end there is Purusha. So he stands, because he, once we enter into him, we are done forever. But wherever there is change, it is the Shakti which must step forward. Even that Shakti can use any, any being, even when there are revolutions, uh, even when there are great changes, though she stands behind, sometimes even through, Shakti is not about feminine or masculine of course, uh, even the heroes, the martyrs, the saints and sages, she becomes Devatma Shakti, she becomes Aghatan Ghatanpati Yasi, who brings the impossible, she becomes the Shakti of the hero, who battles and wins and conquers, she becomes a Shakti, which bears a thousand wounds in the oppressed and the weary and the desolate, so she becomes these various kinds of Shakti in this universe, which help the universe move forward. The omniscient goddess leaned across the breath. She's, you know, this, these terms so beautifully in, in Sanskrit, Pragya Prasrato Purano, the wisdom that has gone forth from old. So this is how she comes. She's omniscient and she leans across the breath that wrap the fated journeys of the stars. So journey of the stars is of course uh, the movement of the star, the cosmic movement through which human destiny moves through the jigsaw puzzle of life. So she sees and saw the spaces ready for her feet. Now she sees that the stars or the destiny, for the forces of destiny are now aligned in a way that she can enter into creation and create a change. Once she half looked behind for a veiled sun, so partly she veils herself and partly she reveals herself. Then thoughtful went to her immortal work and then what happens we all know. That everything becomes a consecration and a rite and the sense of a worship, the sacred yearning. All this she awakens in every atom of existence. She lights up common meaningless shapes. Everything that fire, which she is that original fire which is in the creation inconscient. Suddenly that energy is lit up and everything wants to grow beautiful by her touch. So this is the first part where he speaks of this story is the... Uh, replication of what happens um, in, in the origin, if you may use the word, uh, where time is not yet, and the story which repeats at every cycle, end of every cycle. And then he zooms in. So this is the story of the Divine Mother coming and pulling creation out of the inconscient, out of sleep, out of torpor, out of its state of blind subjugation to inertia and darkness, she comes and she wakes up everyone. And then he zooms into one such moment when the Divine Mother has incarnated as Savitri and now we can bring here as the Divine Mother. She has come. She has come to wake us up. So, but first when she wakes up, what is this world that she finds? When she looks upon how the Divine Mother would have seen all of us, this world, that is described. And Savitri too awoke among these tribes. All these various tribes, the root races, human beings, she also wakes up. Now she is the sovereign, the glorious, the splendid, who is looking at, these are the people with whom I have to work. So, 
It is like one with a vision leading the blind. You see, Upanishad describes the blind leading the blind. That is okay. <laughs> Both fall into the ditch, but they don't know they are falling into the ditch. But just imagine a person with vision leading the blind. So this is the task for which she has come. And what does she find? And Savitri too awoke among these tribes that hastened to join the brilliant summoner's chant. Sun is calling them through her. Wake up, wake up, come. Effort. And the joy and the pang. But who are these tribes? And lured by the beauty of the apparent ways, acclaimed their portion of ephemeral joy. There can be no better description of us. They woke up to the great effort and the pang. But where does it end in? My little dole of happiness. My little dole of you know, um, all kinds of things. <laughs> well, <laughs> my little uh, um, space where I can rest in peace, uh, which ultimately become R.I.P. So all this, she wakes up, but she is born with the anguish of the gods. And she's not come for these little things. She has not come. Divine Mother has not taken a human body just to, you know, uh, of course we can form that relation with her to just f- uh, fulfill our, you know, my son has to study in, um, I don't know, I don't know which university, Nalanda University of the future, uh, Oro University. Well, <laughs> that's not a, that's the future. I do look at it like that. So she is, she doesn't come for these things that, you know, um, uh, grant us these little boons and wishes that she can grant from there. But why does she come? She comes to do what she alone can do. And that is to transform earth and mankind. So she comes born with the, um, you know, anguish. And what has she brought with her? Because she has come, the Divine Mother brings certain gifts. What are the gifts? She had brought with her into the human form. The calm delight that weds one soul to all. The key to the flaming doors of ecstasy. Well, this is the story. But the story takes a tragic turn, as it were. Man rejects the boon. Try telling people, Divine Mother is here to transform us. Most people will say, you see people often ask, why is Shurabindu not uh, so well known of people? Well, this is the reason. He is giving us the ultimate elixir. We don't want that. We want everyday life. Which is like, whom will I get married to? Will I have a happy married life? You know, we want that parrot uh, and the tarot. <laughs> Sorry. So, so this is our life. So she comes, so earth rejects that uh, boon and it instead gives, it says, my pleasure and tears. This is the life I want to lead. And then what she done, does, she takes, she has come to do this work. So she takes all this humanness into herself. This destiny of man which has to meet doom and brings out of her that love which can transform this destiny into the, uh, into the highest truth. So we have this description that she becomes the sacrificent and the sacrifice. So she starts making this sacrifice to invoke the highest and this is the we see in the very first canto this whole thing is described and the second canto we see is about who the divine mother is beautiful description when when she comes as an avatar uh, i'll just quickly read we had already read this so uh, still very quickly she has taken a human body and that is being described that though she is she is human yet within that human body there is always something inwardly above the human which is mating with the divine. That's how Sri describes when somebody asked Sri that uh, uh, some believe that the mother became divine through sadhana. Others believe, no, she was divine from birth 
and some give this prayers and meditation as a proof that you know people give proof without knowing you know anyways so shivita says that well the prayers and meditations are to show us how to pray she is a mother you know she is teaching us from kindergarten what to ask for so she is teaching us how to pray but as far as she is concerned the divine puts on a cloak of humanity but never ceases to be divine the mother was always above the human even as a child so there is the description of her all in her pointed to a nobler kind near to earth's wideness intimate with heaven exalted and swift her young large vision spirit voyaging through worlds of splendor of and of calm overflow the ways of thought to unbound things and she's come armed with the power divine mother brings power she's power shakti so what is the power that she has brought with her this time the power which can assure the change and that power is revealed love in her was wider than the universe the whole world could take refuge in a single heart the great and unsatisfied godhead here could dwell vacant of the dwarf selves imprisoned there her mood could harbor her sublimer breath in her he found a vastness like his own and moved in her as in his natural home in her he met his own eternity she is armed with the power of divine love because only divine love can transform and at the same time support the journey of process of transformation power of purification will destroy and remold but divine love doesn't do this divine love keeps adding something 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 like little drop little drop until the whole being begins to change she she says divine love is like a leaven which goes into the bread and makes it uh, come out so this is what she has come with and she is born to do it and she has no doom can take away this will from her and she sees that which way the human destiny is going she sees all that we know the first and second world war but her single will oppose the cosmic rule it was a rule which was hurtling towards another pralaya to stay the wheels of doom this greatness rose her strength made greater by the lightning's touch heart stood in the way of the driving wheels its giant its giant workings paused in front of a mind its stark conventions met the flame of his soul knows he said to all this possibility of pralaya yes she said to the possibility of a new creation and she went about taking up this work so this is where we see that in the first two cantos then we have a long journey of ashapati uh, you know where on several levels she meets the divine mother until he reaches the very highest from where the sanction comes so i'll just quickly read uh, but before that there is a description how she becomes uh, you know the purusha and prakriti the two who are one and play in many worlds uh, so quickly i'll just read a couple of lines and then go further there are two who are one and play in many worlds so these two are the ishwara and shakti they become brahman and maya maya vidyamayi maya who is conscious of oneness is with brahman and brahman becomes purusha and maya also becomes avidyamayi maya she becomes material nature prakriti so this is how the two who are one but they are one they seem to from because prakriti even in what seems like error 
what seems like disaster, what seems like danger, is still taking the purusha, the soul towards the great culmination and the great consummation. This is the beauty of that because within our heart still there is that pragya, the shakti who is hidden. Behind every finite there is the infinite. So we have this, there are two who are one and play in many worlds. In knowledge and ignorance they have spoken and met. These are the two modes of working of the one uh, divine Mahamaya, there is the Avidyamai and the Vidyamai. Knowledge is Vidyamai. So, Vidyamai always knows oneness. So, we see in, in this creation, there is always oneness behind everything. Reduce anything. Ultimately, you will see the same pattern, oneness, which is there behind. But also, there is differentiation and infinite variety. So, that is Avidyamai, where the, the finger loses itself in that finger and forgets whose finger it is. Whereas the one knows that this is my finger. So this is the difference, Vidya and Avidya. They both operate. In the beginning, Avidya is needed in the return journey. And then as Vidya Mai, she releases into the light. But the divine Shakti is beyond both knowledge and ignorance. Knowledge and ignorance are the two terms for creation. Light and darkness are their eyes interchange. A pleasure and pain are their wrestle and embrace. Our deeds, our hopes are intimate to their tale. They are married secretly in our thought and life. So everywhere she is there and in everything. So she is the energy which moves all things as we know Prakriti. And he has become the soul in man which is seeking and struggling to come out. Thus have they made their play with us for roles, author and actor with himself as seen. He moves there as soul, as nature she. Then of course Ashwapati sees all these secret and we have this beautiful image. The two who are one are the secret of all power. The two who are one are the might and right in things. His soul silent supports the world and her. His acts are her commandments, registers. Happy, inert, he lies beneath her feet. Even in the unconscious, the divine who supports the play. Otherwise, creation will sink. It is an abyss into which everything will sink. But he has given himself to support the play. And the play is the nature through all the rhythms, through all the movement, through all the dance. Sometimes terrible, sometimes chaotic, sometimes beautiful, rhythmic, uh, human, animal and divine. All these dances, he ultimately is trying to please the Lord. What does it mean by pleasing? She is building forms that come, 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 inhabit. And he comes and inhabits. But she finds, no, 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 this is not adequate. I must build another form. She builds another form and calls him. He comes again because he follows her. And again, and these forms are not just material forms. Forms of thought, systems, philosophies, ways of life. All these are forms she creates. And he comes and inhabits. Then again she says, no, no, this is not the original image of him. I don't want him to be just this. So she keeps on building and each time she builds a higher and higher manifestation till the permanent final abode can be made. So Ashupati sees all this that she is going to ultimately, what is she trying to build? To evoke a person in the impersonal void. This ever she meant since the first dawn of life, this constant will she covered with her sport to evoke a person in the impersonal void. Through all this, she is shaping the Purusha into the fullness of his divinity. From the seed, she is bringing out all the divine possibilities. With the truth light, strike earth's massive roots of trance. Wake a, <coughs> wake a dumb self in the inconscient depths and raise a lost power from its python sleep. 
that the eyes of the timeless might look out from time. So this is the manifestation in time and space that she is striving for. And this is the whole purpose of creation. Now Ashupati learns that and then we know that there is a great journey he undertakes and at so many levels he meets the uh, Divine Mother. So I'll read one of the passages. When he goes beyond the human mind and enters into the greater mind where seer and sages have beheld her. But all of these seers and sages we see, see an aspect of her. That's why we see in the typical tantric tradition we see her as uh, you know, again, Vidyamai, Avidyamai, as you know, uh, Yadevi Sarvabhuteshu, Shanti Rupen, or Shakti Rupen, or Jnana Rupen, uh, etc., etc. But who is she who is beyond? We see Shurabindo brings out to us, Om Anandamai, Chaitanyamai, Satyamai, Parme. She is the counterpart of Sachidanand. But here the seer and sages behold her at some great level, climbing on the highest peaks of mind, beyond the human mind. There are ranges of spiritual mind and when they see her, they try to limit her by the mantra and the form and the image. We will see, you know, they have bij mantras and they have these yantras, tantra, mantra and yantra, they limit her. So they say, if you do this, then this aspect of the Divine Mother will come. And she comes, why? Not because we can limit her freedom. She consents. She says, okay, this is how you conceive of me. I will come within your conception. This is what the Yogi is not able to realize at that level. He thinks that this is true, but he has still not known. And here we have beautiful lines on page 275. She shaped her body to a mind's embrace. <laughs> Into thoughts, narrow limits, she has come. Her greatness she has suffered to be pressed into the little cabin of the idea. And that's why mothers would say, never say, keep quoting me. Mother likes this, mother likes that. She says, you are adding one stupidity to another. Every time we judge creation, we are judging the creator. Well, that's a big role to play, a very dangerous one. It's only by our wisdom that we can understand. That's not judgment, that is a revelation. What's happening in this world? But the moment we judge with the limited little mind. So she chooses to enter. She becomes Kali, Durga, Parvati... Lakshmi, all these forms. But yet, this is a limitation. And that's what Shubhinda reveals. But thought nor word can seize eternal truth. The whole world lives in a lonely ray of a sun. In our thinkings, close and narrow lamplit house. The vanity of our shut mortal mind dreams that the chains of thought have made her ours. But only we play with our own brilliant bonds. You see, let's just play little babies. Play with all these conceptions. There are books which have been written on, you know. <laughs> all these beach mantras and tantras. It's okay. People want to engage in it. We have such stories about Satprem when he learnt this mantra. He has to do so many times squatting on the floor and <laughs> mother laughs at <isn't> it. <laughs> says, my child, you don't have to do all this. <laughs> so anyways, she had only asked him to go and there was a purpose behind it. Tying her down, it is ourselves we tie. Every time we limit her. So we must remember, nothing is impossible to the Divine Mother. She is described as the Aghatan Ghatan Patiyasi. She who can make the impossible. And therefore, if human beings can have faith, then everything, it will take time because it's a plain time. 
but there is nothing nothing absolutely nothing which is impossible for the divine mother we may tie her down in our conceptions tying her down it is ourselves we tie we limit her by our limited faith in our hypnosis by one luminous point we see not what small figure of her we hold we feel not her inspiring boundlessness we share not her immortal liberty thus is it even with the seer and sage for still the human limits the divine very difficult to understand when she takes a human play there are people who still say the mother left on 17th november 1973 she kept telling i have never left the earth since its inception she takes a form she withdraws or changes whatever it's her will her freedom we declared it officially by the way that the mother has left her body and since then chaos started <laughs> it's it's a, it's her her will her joy her delight her glory whether she takes a body leaves it builds another or pours herself in another body at one point she says what does it matter it's one body for her it's not like my body she says okay okay i agree this body has been the center of condensation she says that you know i know that well it has already gone through all this process but how does it matter she can take up any body and create the miracle so this is where shubhendra reminds us what we should do how we should connect with her out of our thoughts we must leap up to sight thought limits by conceptions breathe a divine illimitable air her simple vast supremacy confess meaning thereby bow down at her feet let her place the her feet on our head dare to surrender to her absolute surrender requires a tremendous courage how can i not be myself this little ego individuality with all the name and fame and our glory so <laughs> so surrender requires a tremendous dare ultimate dare then the unmanifest reflects his form in the still mind as in a limiting as in a living glass the timeless ray descends into our hearts and we are wrapped into eternity for truth is wider greater than her forms a thousand icons they have made of her and find her in the idols they adore but she remains herself in infinite so if we call her by any name she'll be there somebody asked her mother shobindu says that you created the universe but uh, in our purana it is said that brahma created so um, look at the <laughs> disciple a great disciple so the mother says didn't he tell you that i am the mother of brahma also and i create <laughs> it's so beautiful how can brahma create without shakti <laughs> so in the of course in the bhagavad devi bhagavat puran devi puran it is there already so how can brahma where is the shakti of brahma so she is the devatma shakti the power of the gods to create so anyways so ashapati goes beyond this uh, mind into the highest over mind the cosmic consciousness and he wants to go beyond for this perfect remedy for the ills of the world and we see on page 295 this glory of the divine mother who stands above the gods she is the mother of the gods and as the cosmic spirit so who is she ever disguised she awaits the seeking spirit so before that we have these uh, pair of gods there he beheld 
this in the world soul there he beheld in the mighty union's poise the figure of the deathless two in one a single being in two bodies clasped a diarchy of two united souls seated absorbed in deep creative joy the trance of bliss sustained the mobile world behind them in a morning dusk one stood morning dusk uh, from where think creation begins who brought them forth from the unknowable ever disguised she awaits the seeking spirit watcher on the supreme unreachable peaks guide of the traveler of the unseen paths she guards the austere approach to thy lone then just like you know the dash mahavidya at every plane she stand there and at every plane we can find her from the dhumavati in the lowest densest darkness to tripur sundari uh, the beauty which no eyes can behold and powerful lines the soul above them all she stands supporting all the soul omnipotent goddess ever veiled of whom the world is the inscrutable mask the ages are the footfalls of a tread she is kali whose steps change time their happenings the figure of her thoughts and all creation is a endless act and then we see that she parts an arm and says you want to go beyond the cosmos you can go or if you want all these worlds she can give at a moment someone asked shurbindo he said i believe that i have mother could transform us in a moment but or she could even bring that supramental creation right away but then that supramental creation would not be the same as the evolving creation because it's there he said yes that is an important truth first he says that that's how she had brought down the over mind so it will be like an age of the gods then he says that i believe that the mother can transform us in a moment if we were sincere he said yes if we were integrally sincere that's a very important truth so it's not her, she who cannot do it <laughs> our fellows who have to grow sincere and she makes us sincere that is the beauty of it all she doesn't leave her work half way through and so we see that a light appeared still and imperishable attracted to the large and luminous depths of the traveling uh, ravishing enigma of her eyes to look into the mother's eyes is to be freed from all grief sorrow suffering pain and to be behold that delight and her smile which scatters joy delight upon the worlds he saw the mystic outline of her face just imagine when that glory assumes a human face how can we behold her this is okay i'll make a little form for myself <laughs> she molds not only her own forms but the forms of the vibhutis of herself and of the ishwara because these forms must reflect something so she does that overwhelmed by her implacable light and bliss an atom of her illimitable self mastered by the honey and lightnings of her power tossed towards the shores of her ocean ecstasy drunk with a deep golden spiritual wine he cast from the rent stillness of his soul a cry of adoration and desire and the surrender of his boundless mind and the self giving of his silent heart he fell down at her feet unconscious prone the divine mother is in front of us what will be asked the most common sensical rational if we would be rational is to say take me fully make me yours 
बट वी कम बैक विद लिटिल टेम्पररी गिफ्ट आई नो एज साधक हो वंडरफुल साधना ही एड डन एंड यू आर शेयरिंग विद मी यू सेट यू नो वेन मदर वॉज देर इन द ह्यूमन बॉडी लाइक स्टूपिड पीपल वी केप टास्किंग माई सन एज दिस प्रॉब्लम माई डिपार्टमेंट एज दिस प्रॉब्लम वी डिन टास्क हर फॉर द रियल थिंग्स ऑल्सो सम ऑफ द ओल्ड साधक्स सो दिस इज यू पीपल आर वेरी लकी बिकॉज यू कनेक्ट विद हर डायरेक्टली वी केप्ट ऑन रिलेटिंग विद हर ओनली एज द ह्यूमन मदर एंड शी वुड कीप विद होल्डिंग दैट टाइम टू टाइम दैट इन्फिनिटी एंड इटर्निटी विल कम आउट बट आवर कंसेप्शंस so anyways so ashpati she knows the aspiration lets him pass and there he meets the great purusha of the rigveda who is you know who sacrifice builds the world but he is in that state of inert it that super conscient which is it's another kind of inertia that inertia will become the inconscient it holds all the seeds inside itself so you cannot go unless you cross all conceptions and perceptions which is of course here and there so you have to pass beyond that so when you enter there is nothing absolutely because everything is held back in a seed state so ashpati doesn't know what to do because if you enter you go back into the seed state dissolve there but ashpati had a different seeking here to fulfill himself was his desire so this is the supreme moksha that the purusha can grant where you dissolve you are brought back to that seed state and everything finishes but he stands on the <laughs> words and then out of that heart of loneliness out of that deep mystic trance of the one now we see the story in the first part canto 1 now we see its original part <laughs> so this is a recreation from material nature the sun and that image now finds its fulfillment out of that heart emerges the divine mother this the highest the supreme mother the transcendent mother even while he stood on being's naked edge and all the passion and seeking of his soul faced their extinction in some featureless vast the presence he yearned for suddenly do close a being of wisdom power and delight even as a mother draws a child to her arms took to her breast nature and world and soul affirming everything because she is the one who brings out the shakti which brings out all these seeds and she casts them in brahma and vishnu and mahesh and all the various gods who will then carry the errands that she has appointed in the strength power that she has given and we have that wonderful description at the head she stands of birth and toil and fate in their slow round the cycles turn <laughs> to her call in their slow round the cycles turn to her call alone her hands can change times dragon base hers is the mystery the night conscious she is there in both the night what seems like susupti she is there she is there even in this night of the inconscient she is the power which is hidden alone her hands can change times dragon base these are the four uh, foundations of the inconscient so we have the dragon we have the sphinx the eternal sphinx with the eternal doubter and dragon will just not shift move utter sloth inertia so there are these four guardians who are seated below who will not will refuse to budge but she can change when she comes they start flying they become flying dragons and join the tail this spirit's alchemist energy is hers she is the golden bridge the wonderful fire the luminous heart of the unknown is she 
a power of silence in the depths of god she is the force the inevitable word the magnet of a difficult ascent the sun from which we kindle all our suns the light that leans from the unrealized vast the joy that beckons from the impossible the might of all that never yet came down so all nature in her ignorance is striving towards her all nature dumbly calls to her alone so this is a beautiful the divine mother eventually consents we had read last time so she says first she says that earth is not ready and ashwapati prays she comes she consents she takes a human form she grows up and then there is a description where she awakens in man that power so where is this power hidden in man where is the divine mother hidden so there are three homes one is in the heart so she brings that out so we have the description of the psychic being and this is what we see in the kathopanishad when nachiketa says i want to know the secret of immortality so yama says seek him in the heart there is aditi this is what thou seekest and she's hidden in the base of the spine as the kundalini shakti that is awakened as she comes stormily the serpent of evolution there is a tremendous evolutionary energy which pushes man to progress towards self exceeding toward the infinite the boundless and the eternal so we have we read last time that description of the kundalini in book 7 canto 5 and then she goes beyond into that which is her original home so in human being she wakes up so in our yoga this kundalini wakes up but not through the traditional way of by force and will through using these mantras they are beach mantras very powerful ones because they have been used for many uh, you know the thousand years but she descends from above and starts opening the center so how does she join she is okay you hold on you stay quiet i'll join the lower end with the upper how not you don't have to raise and go stormily on the way i will enter and connect with the inconscient so this is the process in this yoga that she finds her home but this time not to lose herself but to join the ends so this is what we she described and then of course all this uh, we test upon savitri born she grows up she has come to become the bridge so she must first become find the bridge within herself so the awakening of the power which is hidden within her and then into the transcendent she rediscovers herself that i am the one who has taken birth and she becomes conscious of her mission then starts the great battle of with the night which denies now there our little role comes chinna chinna so our role is to surrender ourselves this yoga begins with surrender satyavan's greatness is this beauty is this he is so well he is a wise person truly when we read his description what does he do he is a savitri i fall in love with you so if only we can fall in love with the divine mother that god knows only she can make us fall in love because you can't love her without her grace but once we love her it is finished because love is the last power to be recovered if bhakti is born that means one has crossed most of the levels if bhakti is not yet born we are still on shiki foundation because the first power is love which has gone into creation the last to recover is love bhakti joins the creation with the creator in a sweet and delightful way so satyavan says i am yours take me savitri says done once we do that destiny is sealed this yoga can be summarized in this the soul calling the divine the divine grace saying yes that nothing can keep us away 
But night will come across the path of the divine event, the huge fathomless mind of night. How dare? And then we go through that, what is that called? Ride in that water sport. Anyways, topsy-turvy we ride where we scream, shout, close our eyes. Roller coaster ride. But at the end of it, she holds us. We don't know because we have given to her. She fights our battle through the domains of death. So we see that, you know, she battles with death. And at the end, wherever there is she, the victory is certain. The human soul must have addition to her. So we see that Satyavan in the last moment of his death, all that he says, he doesn't say call. Uh, in India we say 112 or 108 for ambulance, 901 or whatever. So all that we have to say is, mother, mother, I am yours. So Satyavan just says this. Savitri, oh Savitri, lean over me and kiss me for a while. Maybe your kiss may bring me back to life. See, this kiss of the divine. And then Satyavan dies. He doesn't know what's happening. He enters into that, the whole play of the inconscient start. Poor fellow is confused. <laughs> he doesn't know which world he's traveling, where he's going. He doesn't know left, right, center. Everything is disoriented. But she is with him. Even in the densest darkness, the Divine Mother never abandons a child. So that's what we see. Mother says, if you plunge into darkness, I don't stand and say. See, Guru will say. That's why the mother didn't like to be a Guru. She said, you want to bring me so many steps down? Guru will say, I am giving you a method. Practice it. Come back and tell me. Have you practiced? If you have not practiced, I'll say practice it more. The Divine Mother says, okay, okay, okay. I'll do it for you. Come, I'll walk with you. So when we stumble and fall, she falls into that ditch with us. Not falls like us ignorantly. Because she is conscious, fully conscious. It's light entering into darkness and then she brings us out and invades those nether parts and turns them into equivalents of light until finally there is a great confrontation in which finally death must die. So we have this uh, passage which probably um, we'll read. So finally this is the last battle that takes place and in that battle we have the victory of the divine. What is the victory of the divine mother? It is the victory within us and in the creation over all that is dark, obscure, ignorance, all that resists, all that is false and wry and perverse, all that is full of suffering and pain and unconsciousness because she is here to build their delight and beauty and consciousness and truth and light. So we have this last battle which takes place in an individual, in a group as well as the cosmos. It's the most terrible part and the two opposed each other face to face. His being like a huge fort of darkness towered, however big the darkness may be. She will besiege us from every side. Around it her light grew, an ocean siege, a while the shade survived, defying heaven, a sailing in front, oppressing from above, a concrete mass of conscious power. We just spoke about it. He bore a con concrete mass of conscious power. He bore the tyranny of a divine desire. A pressure of intolerable force. Now we have that, what is the desire which meant the Rig Veda. It's not desire of the way we understand. What is the divine desire? To manifest him through form and name. So, 
death tries to obstruct and he must meet that challenge and then we have the process of transformation described in several places but here in a very different way light like a burning tongue licked up his thoughts the mind gets transformed because there is the first thing to be one no more doubts thoughts all our thoughts must be a blaze of suns light was a luminous torture in his heart all the smallness narrowness all the perversities of feelings they must change into such sweetness and delight and beauty and love and the rhythms of our ananda so light was a luminous torture in his heart human beings don't accept it easily light coursed a splendid agony through his nerves now comes the life nerves are the mediator between life and the body so all this nervous system must be strong if it that's why mother would say do physical exercises you must be strong to bear this descent if you are not strong well it will stop at heart even if it comes so that's why it's so important for the body to be able to bear otherwise the nerves will start re- reacting like you know if they are under the siege of death then they will start crackling up <coughs> still she will transform if we know how to endure with faith light coursed a splendid agony through his nerves his darkness muttered perishing in her place her mastering word commanded every limb word is that original vibration power and left no room for his enormous will that seemed pushed out into some helpless space and could no more reenter but left him void at last he knew defeat inevitable and left crumbling the shape that he had worn abandoning hope to make man's soul his prey and forced to be mortal the immortal spirit afar he fled shunning her dreaded touch and refuge took in the retreating night and then finally we have the boon we spoke about it last time and at the end comes something very beautiful which she reveals what is it that she has been doing what is it she she is going to create so we have she is a permanent friend she is everything to us she says to satyavan the soul in man close comrade of the of thy thoughts and hopes and toils all happy contraries i would join for thee to those who have surrendered to her she doesn't force herself sometimes you know she'll force if you tell her force <laughs> then but will we bear it that is a problem all sweet relations marry in our life i am thy kingdom even as thou art mine so she becomes the queen and sovereign but she treats us as if we are prince <laughs> that is the strange part this sovereign and the slave of thy desire she is the sovereign but when we seek something she is okay for you so she becomes also as if she must obey every desire thy prone possessor as if we are the one who hold her sister of thy soul she will always be with us as twin wherever such a being goes she goes the earth i need the heaven my thoughts desire the world i inhabit and the god i adore thy body is my body's counterpart each body is her body each life is her life each journey is her journey the day we understand it life grows beautiful 
whose every limb my answering limb desires. She doesn't wait with half-hearted thing. Every limb must bear her ecstasy and the wine of her ananda. Whose heart is key to all my heartbeat. This I am and thou to me, O Satyavan. This is the mystic marriage between the human soul and the divine. The mother would sometimes give a ring to some people and she would use this word mystic marriage. So we know this mystic marriage, this exists in like all the souls are wedded to Krishna or in all the sisters who are wedded to Christ. This mystic marriage takes place. And then she says, what happens after that? Let us give joy to all for joy is ours. Then she uses this person for her play. So that's what is revealed in uh, book 1, canto 3 itself. That then is revealed in man the covert divine. The over divine. She occupies him and holds him and uses him. For not for ourselves alone our spirits came out of the veil of the unmanifest. To lead man's soul towards truth and God we are born to draw the checkered scheme of mortal life into some semblance of the immortal's plan to shape it closer to an image of God a little nearer to the idea divine. And a few more lines, then we'll close. All this she does for us. Who is she? Who can say? She alone can reveal her mystery. So when all this happened, sages say, who are you? By the way, all this marvel, magic which has happened in Satyavan's life, as it happens in everybody's life, who give themselves to her. So she says, Who are you? So she says, beautifully, awakened to the meaning of my heart, that to feel love and oneness is to live. And this, the magic of her golden change, is all the truth I know or seek, O sage. Oneness and love, that is the power she brings above all. And with that power, she transforms the human soul into the image of the divine. Why? Because the one wanted to become many. Eko ham bahushyam. That's her agenda. One point agenda. If for that, she has to send us to the kindergarten school of ignorance, where Mr. Suffering and Messrs. Death come and teach us, so be it. She knows. After kindergarten, when I have to change to the school, body changes, I'll give her him a new dress, put him into higher grade. But this is the original will she has with us, her and all who turn to her. Now this project has entered into in its final stages for souls that are ready. And who are the souls who like Satyavan can dare to surrender to her absolute and then with faith endure Knowing that lay all on her, she is the cause of all. If this is she of whom the world has heard, wonder no more at any happy change, each easy miracle of felicity of her transmuting heart, the alchemy is. Namaste, Jaima. Thank you. Thank you, Alok, very much.
And this um, kind of joining all our consciousness with the mother's consciousness, we could feel it's tangibly present. And there are several questions to you. Uh, there are also yes. many thankful remarks. So beautiful a look at her feet. People um, feel the presence and love of the psychic towards the mother. We are all children of the mother. <laughs> And if you have question, people from uh, your group there asking questions are also possible if they want to make remarks or something, because they're also listening to you. But here, what is written in our um, uh, page is surrendering, building a home for the mother. Yes, in the truest sense, surrender means we make space for her. It means we give our thoughts to the mother. We will be obedient to her impulsion in our thoughts. Surrendering the heart means that our heart, which is full of hundreds and thousands of strings, now we loosen them and say, Mother, you hold all these strings, all the sweet relations you marry in our life. So she becomes all these different, different relations through which we deal and navigate in our life. And she fills the heart space which no one else can fill. So naturally the heart becomes an abode of her sweetness and love. Surrendering our life to her means our life has no other meaning and purpose but to fulfill herself in us and through us. Surrendering our body to her means that the body must become a pure and perfect temple, a pure and perfect instrument and a faithful and flawless channel for her light, her bliss, her sweetness, her delight, her joy, her strength, her peace, her love to pour upon the world. So in a sense, yes, it's to make space for her. But we must always know that this, no one can create space for her who is infinite. So as she comes, she starts making space. So we have to keep on widening at every level and be plastic. So both these aspects are there that as she comes, she starts widening the mind. Initially, we have a small little conception. She enters and then she widens us. She enters the heart, we have a small little kind of relation. Oh, she's the Divine Mother, she'll keep doing magic and miracles. She starts showing us that there is everything is a miracle. Everything is a grace. So she widens our heart. When we enter into you know, our life, very small, she says, I want to do Mother's work. And she says, okay, so we think we are great instruments doing her work. When she enters, she widens the life and sees everywhere there is nothing else but Mother's work. And then even the body must become supple, plastic and white to her touch. So this is, she enters and keeps making room for herself. And this goes on till, <laughs> till, <laughs> till, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> there is no end to the marvel and the mystery and the widening and the glory. So yeah. basically she is doing yoga for us, only we have to yes. realize it. Yes, yes. This is what is there in Savitri. She does the yoga for earth and man and those, of course, in a certain sense for the whole earth, all evolution is that. But there is, as the mother said, there is a general grace which is with all and there is a special grace with those who have surrendered. So this difference is there. So... But she is the one who does the yoga. <laughs> this is the secret truth anyways. Man has to only collaborate in that process. Man cannot do yoga. It is the divine who does the yoga. When we think it is we who are doing the yoga, it is the divine mother's power in us which can do it. We cannot even make effort. Initially we think our effort, then grace comes. 
then we start creating a false antagonism then at the end we discover all the effort was because there was this craze so these are the three different stages of evolution yes. so this offering what is known in the rigveda for example is that when the presence of the divine is there we want to offer for transformation all our bits and pieces which are not conscious yes. yet of her presence yes so that's what it means and she makes it conscious and then we offer it because we are living in unconsciousness aprakritim salilam dark we, we don't know ourselves except the surface personality which is basically a very temporary construct mostly a, we can almost say it's a lie <laughs> that's not what we are so she makes us conscious and as we become conscious we offer she gives it back to us transformed and then connects it with every other part so it's a long work which no human will or power or tapasya can undertake and there is one more question here in volume 5 of the mother's questions and answers mother says satyavan represents the avatar he is the yes. incarnation of the supreme how to understand yes that? yes so what is this human soul she has answered in very beautiful way even in the agenda and shurbind also says in a way the psychic being is the avatar of the supreme in every individual so in that sense this human soul is none else but the supreme soul which becomes the individual soul just like nature is nothing else but the divine shakti which has become nature so in that sense in but when a special work has to be done so the supreme takes a human form to represent the ascending human element so that's how it is that he is at once the soul of man at the same which is as shubindra has explained in the author's note that is the soul of man caught in the ignorance but at the same time when the way has to be yawn he takes a human form as he has said there are conscious emanations conscious forces and beings which uh, take emanations and there satyavan represents the human uh, portion which is struggling in ignorance but the divine portion in the human which has got caught in ignorance and forgotten itself so that's how it is the incarnation of the supreme who else can really do that surrender that's why in in the ashram this was very popular when somebody asked show us some advanced sadhak who have made the surrender and hardan bakshi will say don't tell to anyone there are only two don't breathe a word so the person will come tell me about the names of those sadhaks and he will say shurbindo to the mother and the mother to shurbindo which is so true when we look at you know shurbindo shows us the way equally by his gesture when mother will bring him food 9 o'clock once at 4 o'clock shurbindo doesn't utter a word this is surrender if you like you know completely given to her at the same time the mother fulfilling in him and through him this entire plan of the supreme so she is also surrendered to shurbindo everything she comes and lays at his feet and says my lord so ultimately this is the state that soul and nature has to ultimately uh, wake up to i mean this is the ultimate that's how shubindo put it at another place very beautifully he says i have not come here to create mutts or sanyasis i have come here to call the souls of the strong to the leela of krishna and kali and there he says that where every girl and every boy they become in that image you know we have to become in the divine image this transfiguration is earth due to heaven so but someone has to show us how the human being have to be to become that image so that's where uh, 
he is the avatar of the supreme who shows us the way and uh, ashupati of course is also shirbindu he represents both these aspects like hanuman hanuman is uh, at once this in mystic lore it is well known hanuman is portion of shiva so in that sense he is free that's why you know he, nobody can catch him no no weapons can cleave him but hanuman has come to show the way of bhakti so he becomes a bhakta of rama so both these things he represents within himself because he has to play that role thank you yeah thank you so much for this beautiful exposition we are very honored to have you here with us again and especially on this topic of the divine mother namaste thank you so much thank you. namaste namaste namaste, namaste.